Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This is episode eight of season two. I really hope you checked out last week's episode with Pastor Mark Clark of the Village Church in Canada. We had a great conversation about answering skeptics' questions with love and truth. As always, this podcast is a member of the Charisma Podcast Network and the Edify Podcast Network. And I really do appreciate your support of what I'm doing here. You know, I could mention a bunch of other things to point you to, but I really want to point you to one thing in this intro, and that is all glory and honor in this podcast and in my life go to Jesus Christ. You know, I want to say that I'm not doing a podcast to try to build myself up or my ministry. I want God to increase so that I may decrease. And if this podcast points you to Jesus in any way, then it's doing its job. And I give this fully to Jesus to do with as he wants, even if that means I have to cancel it tomorrow. If he asks me, I am open to that because God gets the glory. For today's discussion, I'm talking to Michael Moore. He's known on Instagram as the Honest Youth Pastor, and we have some great conversation about youth, memes, and much more. Here we go. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. This show is about you and your walk with Jesus as we grow in discernment together so that we can make better daily decisions that honor God in all we do. We will align all things against the Bible and give you practical steps to run your Christian race to win. And now your host, the discerning dad, Tim Ferrara. Welcome to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. I am here today with Michael Moore, a.k.a. the Honest Youth Pastor. Michael has a ministry of equipping people with understanding theology and breaking down concepts in the church for people to understand, along with the occasional and frequent meme. Michael has a podcast and a growing YouTube channel. Michael, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, absolutely. Love your content. Uh, It pops up in my feed all the time. And uh, just, yeah, I wanted to have you on. Uh, There's a lot of cool stuff on there, too, for just, uh, you know, I think you started with, with memes, which I'll have you talk about how that started. And then uh, it's really kind of grown into something that is really an equipping ministry, I, I think, with some deep concepts of uh, the church and how to process things. And and so, um, yeah, I'm excited to have you on. So how did all this start, uh, The Honest Youth Pastor? Um, it started from a church transition that was really bad. Um so I needed, uh, without getting into a lot of the details, I needed a place to vent. And... Um, for whatever reason, Instagram was where I turned to do that. <laughs> so um, at the time, my wife had, I, I didn't know anything about memes. My wife had been on Reddit and she every so often would show me a meme or whatever. And I thought it was funny. And I thought, you know, I, uh, when you're bitter, uh, you can be quite sarcastic. And I was very bitter. Uh, so I thought, you know, <laughs> this is a perfect way to just, just, I need to get this out in a very anonymous way. I don't want to burden anybody else down with it, but I don't want to hold it either. Yeah. So a lot of the earlier stuff I put out was just me being like, just, just vomiting out everything that happened, uh, very sarcastically, but also just like, ah, I need to get this somewhere. Mm. And I didn't want to pile it all on her, um, because she was going through a lot of, of it too. And so I just put it on the internet and then oddly enough, um, a lot of people were, they related to it. Um, so the fact that anybody liked it at all, I was like, well, this is sort of strange, but okay. <laughs> and then it just kept growing, uh, to my amazement. Um, and then it's been through a, sub- a couple iterations. I mean, like you said, now it's totally different than that. It's way beyond what it was. And it really got to a point and we might talk about this a little bit later. I don't know, but it got to a point where I was like, okay, there's, 
there's a substantial amount of people looking at this. And by, by substantial, I meant like there's a couple hundred. So this is a little <laughs> like I need to be careful about what I'm saying. I mean, I'm going to be held account for all of this. Yeah. So um, I really started switching it up to be like, OK, well, uh, after I'd really worked through a ton of it. I mean, long story short, me and the pastor sat down. We forgave each other. We talked through it. Um, it was really helpful and healing. And I thought, I mean, we can, I can use this to just keep going as far as teaching and, you know, putting concepts and ideas and conversations out there. And that's what it's become. And it's been very, for the most part, well-received. So. Yeah, that's cool. You know, for social media in general, you know, there's this, uh, there's this thing where uh, if I say it in a meme, you know, it's kind of like not me saying it. And at the same time, there's so much truth sometimes in memes where now it's like you're posting stuff that, oh, that's funny. But then you break it down in, in the con- in the details uh, of of why that meme is is relevant or funny or, you know, what it actually means. And so uh, I think that's cool, too, is it's not just like, hey, here's a funny meme, laugh and move on. But you're actually like diving into why you chose that meme, why it's relevant to the church, you know, that kind of stuff, which I think is important too, because there's one side of it where, yeah, laugh and and have a good time with it. But the other time it's like, let's talk about this. And that's, you know, the comments are open and that kind of stuff where people can kind of talk about it. So that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of that, that description part came from the fact that I didn't used to do that. And people were like, you need to explain yourself. And I'm like, fine, (laughs) here's seven paragraphs of explaining. So you got what you wanted. (laughs) That's funny. So is there a, uh, a meme that sticks out as your favorite over the over the time you've been doing this? Oh, um, I don't know if there'd be a favorite one, honestly. Um, there's a lot that, again, I try to get it to where I try to keep it out of uh, just for shock value. Um, yeah. Some of them come across that way, but a lot of them, I mean, I know probably one of the ones that um, was the most even to this day, the most that was commented about and discussion started about was the one I did with um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego not bowing down to the statue and the statue was Black Lives Matter movement. And it just, that created the most, it's not my favorite, that's not what I'm saying, but it created the most conversation um, and really got that conversation going. And that was kind of the point. All the top ones are like that. It's all stuff that was kind of like, it, it hits on that nerve and then you can kind of talk through it a little bit more. So yeah. those are those are my favorite to do as long as the comments aren't always great as far as the back and forth conversation. But yeah. getting people thinking in that direction, I think, is that's what I love. Yeah, we were just talking before we came on air how sometimes it's the the most hot button things that people comment on. And, you know, I'm on TikTok and Instagram as well. And it's like, you know, I might have a great teaching about a Bible verse and get minimal views. But then I, I say something or or trigger somebody, you know, and it's like, oh, now there's thousands of comments about this. And it's like, oh, you know, it's not really what I want to focus on, but here we go, you know? Yep. Let's go. We're on the ride now. Yeah. (laughs) So how did you uh, become a Christian? What was that journey like to, you know, get to where you are today? Um, So I grew up in the church. Uh, My testimony is I grew up in the church. I mean, from the moment we got out of the hospital that next Sunday, I was there. (laughs) So I've been in church my whole life. Um, And I heard the variations of the gospel my whole life. So I'm sure I heard it way more than I remember. Um, but it wasn't until college that um, God just got a hold of me. Um, it was like, I was actually in college. It was freshman year going into sophomore year. I was in college for youth ministry already. Um, 
And that's where he really just got a hold of me and ironically enough and showed me the weight of my sin and who he was and what all of that meant. I mean, I had went up to the altar a thousand times during student camps and things like that. Um, but it was, it was a different time that moment that happened. Um, and so since then it's just been this, this ride of, of diving into his word, um, you know, kind of learning the things I think that I was probably trying to be taught when I was, a, a, <laughs> you know, a student, um, yeah. and just didn't hear, but, um, that's the short of it. Yeah. Yeah. And how'd you get a call to ministry and being a youth pastor and all that? Well, oddly enough, that was one of the times I went up to the altar in student camp. <laughs> I, I can't really explain it other than it was really this, there wasn't audible, anything like that. It was just this sense of, you know, you're, you're supposed to do ministry, which was yeah. odd to me at the time. And the only reason I even followed in that direction was because I knew that I, I was very bad at public speaking. Uh, so I thought, well, this is not a good decision, but this is the only direction I have. So, okay, we'll go this way. <laughs> um, and through um, that moment at student camp, like I said, I mean, I, I, I pinpoint really God to showing me who he was at college, but those moments he used, however he does those sort of things to get me to that point. Um, but that's where I had felt the calling for, Hey, you, you, you're supposed to do ministry. Now that's looked a variety of different ways since then, but it's always had that focus on this is, you know, you're supposed to go and minister uh, the gospel to others and teach and train. So, yeah, that's cool. And sometimes we hear a call early and don't know what it looks like. And it, I mean, most of the time, whenever God leads us into something, we don't know what it's going to look like. And so, but eventually taking a small step at a time, it starts to reveal itself. And then you look back on it and like, wow, God, your hand was on this. If, mm-hmm. As long as we're faithful on, on our part and, and actually walk through that, then uh, we get to see his faithfulness through the years. And uh, the journey is, uh, and I've seen that in my life, you know, growing up in the church too. It's like, well, I don't know an exact, you know, salvation moment. You don't have that amazing testimony you can share at the altar, but someone spoken in my life, you know, uh, maybe a year ago. And he's like, you know, you, cause I was kind of like, well, I don't have an amazing testimony. He's like, well, your testimony's amazing in itself because you can show of God's faithfulness in your life where he didn't have to take you out of the, the depths of despair to come to where you are today. And so I was like, yeah, that's a good point. You know, I haven't, you know, growing up in the church, you're like, yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of a Christian, you know, but instead of like, no, God's been faithful to me through the years and I haven't had to go through that some people have. And it's not that everything's been wonderful, but at the same time, it's like, you know, I can point to God. And the reason I'm still a Christian today is because of his faithfulness and not just because, you know, parents made me do it or because, you know, that's all I knew. No, you get to a point where now you have to make that decision. It has to become your own. And uh, that's why some people fall away. That's because it was only their parents' faith and it has to be your faith at some point. And then you have to continue that journey for the rest of your life. You know, there's, there's no point where it's like, okay, I've made it. You know, I have nothing more to learn. I have nothing more to do. You know, we're we're good. God, we're good. Right. I can do my thing now. No, it's not the, that's not the point. Cool. So, um, which is a good transition into, uh, the topics we talk about on the show with discernment, making decisions that honor God. And so, uh, I ask all my guests this question, but a time in your life when you had to make a decision and kind of what that looked like, and maybe it was a decision that, uh, you didn't have great discernment on, or maybe it was and kind of what, how you processed it, how you heard from God. And then, uh, because from that we can learn from other people's journeys, even though we may not have the exact same decision, we can learn processes of how to hear from God, how to have discernment. And I describe discernment as like a spiritual muscle. You know, it's not something that you can read a book or even read the Bible in one 
time and then all of a sudden have this discernment. I mean, we grow a little bit at a time mm-hmm. and discernment is something that we grow over time. And so that means we might make a bad decision, but then we can learn from it and then move on and make a better one in our, in our life. So there's a situation you can think of where you had discernment yeah. or maybe didn't. So uh, this is a, one that I didn't. Um, so this goes into God's faithfulness too, though, as far as it ties in and the fact that this whole account started, like I said at the beginning, from just a, a really rough ministry transition. And I was, I mean, this, we're talking, you know, this was eight years ago, eight, nine years ago now, actually. And so I was a little younger, a little bit more arrogant, um, <clears throat> not so keen to listen to people. And in that transition, there was a lot of times where I had the opportunity to discern and to, you know, to really listen and lean in and to um, just to, to be obedient. And uh, my young arrogance took on. So not that it would have made the situation any really probably easier, but on my end of it, how I could have handled it, how I spoke to it, it could have been a lot better because um, I was reacting to to what was happening, what people were saying. The short of it is the the pastor that had come in, the way it works in my denomination, somebody you get voted in. He'd got voted in. <clears throat> I'd been working with the previous pastor for like three to four years. Uh, he gets there. His methodologies are totally different. Doesn't do anything the same. Me and him just, we don't, we're not operating the same way. We try to make it work for a year. Really rough ending where basically um, I get a text, not even a call. I get a text and it's, Hey, don't come back next Sunday. Um, uh, his son was actually, they're like, you're, my son's just going to take over the youth ministry. And I was mm. like, okay. Um, so obviously <laughs> that's rough in general. Um, yeah. There was some discernment though that, I mean, looking back that I can be like, um, I could have handled this, this, and that a little bit better than I did. Definitely was not exercising the fruits of the spirit uh, in those moments. Like I really wish looking back that I could have, but mm. um, on that note, I mean, tying that into obviously did not discern well in those moments at all. Looking back on that though, tying that into God's faithfulness, like we were talking about, I was just having a conversation with somebody yesterday or the day before yesterday about it and how even in that um, God gets the glory for working out through that to where there's opportunities, there's things. I mean, this right here that we're doing would not have come about without, um, without those situations occurring um, for me to be able to look back and be like, hey, I mean, just, just a real Holy Spirit punch to the throat that says you didn't do that well. You need to do that better next time and we can learn from that. Yeah. Um, and really just taking that and, you know, taking that, on and be like, okay, yes, you're absolutely right. And then, like I said, at the beginning of, the, of this podcast, you know, going and, you know, seeking forgiveness from that man and really talking through that and using mm. that to kind of on the back end, have a lot better discernment to, to, to speak to that, to get through that and to, you know, offer some sort of reconciliation there. Um, even though at the time the discernment was absolutely <laughs> terrible on yeah. my part for sure. So. That's a good point. How looking in hindsight, we can grow with the help of the Holy Spirit, which is our trainer, equipper. That's what he does. You know, he helps us learn and and grow and disciple us better than any preacher on stage can do. And, uh, you know, and so we have to listen to what God tells us. And when we mess up, to be able to be humble enough to say, okay, yeah, that was not the best decisions on my part. And so how can I learn? How can I move forward? How can I even rectify it if that's even possible? And there's a lot of times, you know, and growing up in the church, you see it a lot and have experienced where church hurt is sometimes the hardest hurt to get over because here you have, and I've been through it too, church splits and and church, uh, you know, bitterness among uh, people that you called friends at one point and now your enemies. And it's like, how do we, 
as a church do better with with showing the love of Christ? And uh, you know, and I even wrote a, a devotional plan on on it's called Hurt by Christians, and it's just kind of like how to have hope and healing in a situation that you know. And for new people to come into church too, you're like these are people that are supposed to look like Christ, and here they are judging me, you know, not loving me uh, because I have tattoos or because I, I still drink and I haven't been convicted of it yet. And, and uh, we can talk more about that later. But just you know, what have you seen in, in church culture as far as like how that can really lead to turning people off from church and God, unfortunately, completely? Well, a lot of um, there's, I think there's about two or three memes that I have specifically about church hurt situations like that. And those, uh, it amazes me every time, uh, because every so often I'll repost them um, just so, you know, there's new followers. Hey, here's the story. Here's kind of the back thing of this. And every time I repost those, uh, there's, I get, I mean, a ton of DMs, a lot of comments that are, are basically just copy paste of, hey, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me too. Yeah. And I think one of the things that we can do as Christians, um, especially, I mean, if we're pastors, the thing we do as pastors is recognize that, that that's the thing. Yeah. That that's, that's something that is, it's not, um, it's not some ethereal made up. Okay. It's only a couple people. <laughs> In fact, I'd say majority, you're going to, if you ask anybody at some point, I mean, the scale is going to vary, but they're going to fit on there somewhere. Yeah. So with that being the case then, well, how do we deal with that then? So what do we do with that? Obviously we, I mean, at least dedicate a sermon or two to it, um, working through it and looking at like, what does the body look like? Because I mean, look, read the epistles, right? None of those churches were perfect. Um, So it's one of those things. Yeah. So, I mean, there's obviously material uh, that you can, you can pull from there and address it before it gets to the point that um, somebody actually just leaves or deconstructs over the whole thing. Because most of, not all, most of the people I've talked to that, that I know personally that have gone through sort of that process of leaving the church or leaving the faith, part of that, at least part of their story, has something to do with a church hurt story. Somebody yeah. was too judgmental. Somebody said something across to them. Somebody, you know, it, it's something there that was either the, the catalyst or the last straw for them. Um, and with that being the truth, we obviously need to, to, to deal with it, to talk about it, and yeah. to show how Jesus is over those situations as well and how through changed hearts and through changed minds. Um, that's not the end of the story. So, yeah, no, that's, that's really good. Love that. This podcast is part of the edify podcast network. Edify is a faith inspiring app that brings together thousands of the best Christian podcasts in one place for your listening enjoyment. Cut through the noise and grow your faith by diving into the world's top Christian podcasts today. Download the Edify app for free from the App Store or Google Play or by going to edify.app. That's E-D-I-F-I dot app. Talking about our personal walk, you know, one of the focuses we have in season two of this podcast is how we keep our eyes on Jesus every day and in, in the midst of a world that is sometimes, well, many times, most of the time chaotic. And uh, even in churches that are maybe less than uplifting in the moment, like we're talking about, how do we personally keep our eyes on Jesus every day. Cause I think it's so important because if we, if our eyes are anywhere else, but Jesus and we get distracted, we get discouraged, we get uh, downtrodden. And so what have you found in maybe just practical things that someone listening might be like, Oh, that's cool. I haven't thought of that. or I haven't tried that. And, you know, no one should model someone's walk 100% because it's your personal walk with Jesus. But there are things that we can, you know, learn from and grow with and, and, and maybe model parts of it. You know, I can't say like, 
this is the time I read the Bible, how, for how long, how long I pray and how I journal and you have to do it. You know, that's not mm-hmm. the, that's not the point, but there are be like, you know, maybe journaling, for example, someone might listen to that. Oh, I know I haven't tried that. Tell me why you like it. You know, cause I, up until maybe a year ago, I never journaled and now I'm like a proponent of it, but Hey, you know, I was in that position where like, I don't need to journal. Like, why would I do that? And so, you know, we grow over time too in our walk and, 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 uh, and so anyway, I just throw it back to you is, is what, what do you do to keep your eyes on Jesus every day? I say the, the, the first thing, what I would start with for sure is just perspective. There are a thousand things. I mean, my job is no different than anybody else's job in the sense that there are going to be distractions. There's going to be annoyances. There's going to be things that are unexpected that come up. Yeah. And I think one of the things that my grandpa taught me when he was alive was that like how you approach that day is going to completely determine your day. So the man had a testimony every day about how God was good, even in, I mean, and obviously every day wasn't good as far as perspective wise. (laughs) Um, But he had this perspective of today, whatever happens, God's in control of, and God's going to use. So whether it be, you know, some annoyance, some traffic jam, or like just something absolutely horrible happens on me, you know, dies, right? Whatever that is, keeping the perspective of God's got this. Um, and that was the overarching thing for him was that if you have that understanding of God is in control of this, even when it seems chaotic, God's got it. Um, he says, he always used to tell us, you, you can deal with it. Whatever it is, you can deal with it if you understand that God is over all of it. Yeah. Um, now, practically stepwise, like you said, I think you really have to know yourself. And a lot of people don't know yourself, themselves that well as far as mm-hmm. when is the best time in your day to, for you to sit down? Do, do you even do well reading? I found out a long time ago, I am not a person that's going to be able to sit down and read through. Um, I've worked into my day. I have a really long commute, but I've worked into my day where, you know, from this building to this building, this is my prayer time. Mm. From this building to this town, <laughs> this is my, I'm going to have my audio Bible on. Yeah. Um, and then later on, I'm going to, you know, so while I'm doing that, I can screenshot really quick. Okay, this is the passage that I'm going to look into later. Because for me, in the built-inness of my day, I've got two kids, I've got a wife, I've got a job that takes 50 hours, 55 hours a week. I've got to be really purposeful about where I fit that stuff in. Yeah. Um, and I think some of us just, we just need to know that, like where, where in our days can we fit things in that are going to benefit us and not just be time killers. Right. So yeah. for me, my drive could easily be a time killer, but I want to be like, how can I repurpose this? Because I know I'm not going to have this time later when I get home, mm. I'm going to be doing homework with the kids. I'm going to be playing with the kids. Me and my wife, are going to go on a date. Like I, there's going to be so much stuff there. Where can I fit this into my day that I've already got time. I'm just not using it real well. Yeah. Um, and just figure out yourself. Like you said, are you a good reader? Are you a better listener? Um, just what, how does your mind work? And like you said, that is going to be different for you, for me, for everybody. Like, how does that work? Do you do better journaling? I sink at that. Like I've tried it like five yeah. or six times. It just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, but I can, I'm very auditory. So I can pop on my, you know, my note app on my phone and be like, yeah. Hey, look into this later. This is what God's done. Remember that because I have to remember stuff all the time because my memory is terrible. <laughs> so like I, I, I constantly am making audio notes so that I can, you know, look back and be like, I didn't even remember that this morning, but yeah. Okay. God is great. Yeah. Um, and just know yourself. I mean, like I said, that's a really general principle. Just, you got to figure out how you can take stuff in and what, what works best for you. Yeah. That's great. I love that. And I love the concept of taking God with you throughout the day and repurposing things that might be boring, like a drive, you know, to mm-hmm. work and then using that for God to get your mind right before you face 
craziness of the, of the job. And, you know, I, the worst part in my life was when I was at a crazy job and uh, I would quote, get my Bible reading in, but it was at the end of the day. And so I would wake up, go right to work immediately, spend an entire day, you know, come home, do all that stuff. And then at the end of the night in bed, I would put on the, you know, the Bible app for five minutes as I'm dozing off. And it's like, that's not giving God my best. And so I was personally convicted about that. And I see so much more value in waking up just a little earlier, which I'm not a morning person and a lot of people aren't. But for me personally, that was something that get my day started off right and then find things throughout the day, maybe on a lunch break or, uh, you know, a time when you have that time in the car where you can give that to God too. And uh, there's just so much more peace. And we're speaking from personal experience that we have found with being able to give God the parts of your day. And that's what I think the Bible talks with pray without ceasing. You know, it's mm-hmm. not, it's not, you're going to pray 24 hours a day, but you're going to be in a state of prayer, you know, uh, throughout the day, if something comes up, you know, if you see an accident or something like God, pray, you know, be with them right now, quick prayer, longer prayer. And, and all that stuff is, is finding that in your day and, and finding what works without being, uh, you know, uh, religious about it, where, you know, mm-hmm. I have, if I don't pray 30 minutes and I'm not a good Christian now, like, don't, yeah. don't condemn yourself with, with uh, uh, rules that are not in the Bible. Uh, I think that's great. Cool. So uh, you have a, a few different series on YouTube. One of them is a, is a sermon review series, which I, which mm-hmm. I've enjoyed. And you have over 30 videos at the time of this recording. And Talk a little bit about why you started that, uh, what the response has been, and also why it's important to know what is being preached uh, from either the stage at large or the stage where you call home. Um, I started it because I already was, um, I already did it <laughs> on my personal time. I mean, again, part of my commute was just listening to sermons. And what I noticed was, and by way of just the Instagram account, there's people that send you random stuff all the time. And yeah. a lot of those were sermons. So I was listening to people that I never really heard of before, never listened to before. And I found, I was like, this, this is a lot different than what's down my normal alley of listening to. And I thought, man, some of this is really, this is really off. And I thought I'm already doing this. So I, I put up, I mean, it was a while back. I put up some poll. I mean, it was probably a couple of years ago. I put up a poll. Hey, would you guys be interested if I did, you know, upload them in podcast form? And I did like one, it was on Mike Todd a long time ago. And then my, the computer I had at the time completely died. So I was like, well, I guess that's gone. <clears throat> anyway, God provided, I got another one. And then we started doing these sermon reviews of just trying to, trying to do a whole spectrum, not just focus in. There's plenty of YouTube channels that focus in on these horrible pastors and that's all they, they just hit that hammer all day long. And yeah. I get it, but it kind of gets old. Yeah. So I was like, I want to, I want to do the sermons without cutting them apart, without taking little sections off and just doing the thing and saying, this is what it is. Um, the response at first was not, depending on who you covered, wasn't great. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the first couple ones were on Ferdict, and then there was another one on Mike Todd, and everybody's like, you're just picking on him. Um, I, as time's gone on, like you said, there's a lot more there. And I think because of, if you've watched through them, you can see that my, my goal here is not to tear these people down. My goal is to just be like, look, we have to look at the content being preached here. Is it biblical? Are they using all the tools that they should use as pastors here as far as bringing out the context, the culture? And when they do that, are they applying it accurately? Because you can get to a point where, and there's a couple of sermons that I review that are like this, that it sounds right. And then when it gets to the application part, it's not, it's totally not connected at all. But because you're so into it at this point and you're not really listening, like detailed listening, you're just clapping right along with it. And you're like, yeah. oh, this is perfect. This is good. This is great. Um, so the, the point of the series is to just really do that. Say here, here are the tools that we as believers can use to 
look at a sermon again, not to like take intricate notes and tear your pastor down, but just yeah. to be like, what's here that's good. And what here could be worked on a little bit. And right. the interesting part is initially this was just for, Hey, you know, we're all congregants. We sit in the church, we listen to a pastor. And then I started getting messages from pastors being like, Hey, this has really helped me prepare my sermons a little bit better. So yeah. now it's kind of shifted to a, Hey, I mean, in the last probably 10 or so, I'll interject in there. Hey, if as pastors, this is what we need to focus on as just tools for growth for all of us. Cause I mean, not if, if we're preaching, you're, you're not there yet. There's always something you can add on, something you can learn yeah. from. And um, that's the purpose of it is to be like, hey, here are the tools. Are we doing this well? Because at the end of the day, we're going to be held accountable for it as pastors. And, and then as congregants, like, are we listening to people that are biblically based and are being faithful to the word of God or not? And if they're not, we need to maybe move on. So, yeah. I mean, we, you know, we live in a culture, especially with social media, where there's no shortage of sermons, you know, like yeah. <laughs> back in the day, you know, I'm going to predate myself, but you know, you would have one pastor, one sermon a week, and that's yeah. all you would have. And then you'd have the Bible and maybe a small group, you know, but now you have like literally as many sermons as you want from any number of sources that you want. Mm -hmm. And when you talk about discernment, that's something we have to keep in perspective that we hear messages all the time, not just sermons. We hear all kinds of messages on social media. And so I love how you talked too about, you know, people that use those little 30 second clips and then break them down, tear them down. It's like, well, I hate those because it's like, well, what was the rest of the sermon? Like, like mm -hmm. if you take 30 seconds of any sermon, you could find something that, well, you know, you, you misquote or, or use in the wrong context. And so, and there's, there's such a movement too, of just tearing down instead of building up, especially across denominations. And uh, I'm just kind of like, what is, what does God want you to do? Stay on that road, find a, a pastor that you can, uh, you know, submit to. And then, uh, but don't worry about what everyone else is doing, you know, like, yeah, we need to, we need to have discernment. We need to know what's out there and how to respond to people. But you know, when you just talk about your, 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 your own church, where God has called you to be. And there's, there's times too, when you, God might call you to be at a church, that's not perfect because no church is perfect, but maybe he wants you to be a light in that church, you know, to show love in a church that is struggling. Maybe he just wants you to sit and learn for a while as you get mm -hmm. equipped and then be able to move on. There's lots of reasons why God might call you to a church. And it's, I would say hardly ever because it's perfect and you're perfect and, 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 no church is perfect. And so when you look at it at that point, and, uh, you know, I talk about the critical spirit and how, you know, discernment is not a critical spirit. I did a video on that because the critical spirit in, in what we're talking about listens to a 45 minute sermon and, and focuses on one thing they don't like, and then brings that up to the pastor. You know, if you're a pastor, you've yeah. been there, you know what that's like when someone comes to you and, Hey, so in your sermon, you, you said it was, uh, John two 22 and it's actually, uh, John two 21. Sorry you know, just stuff like that, or, you know, well, actually, you know, you put, put up your glasses, actually, I'm sorry, but, and uh, no pastor likes that, but what pastors want to hear after the sermon is how it impacted you. What did God show you? How do you apply it to your life? You know, and that's what the point of sermons should be is not because it's 100% perfect. And, and, and sure, no pastor should be above correction or hearing like when they did mess up, like, okay, yeah, I, I did say that wrong. I'm sorry. You know, like, I'm not saying that pastors are perfect and should never be, uh, you know, confronted with stuff, but it, that, that critical spirit looks to divide. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to be cautioned against is if you're, I've been called to a church, listened to sermons and, and thought, ah, oh, you know, I don't, I don't really agree with that. Mm -hmm. And then look in the Bible for yourself. That's what the sermon is, you know, being like the Bereans and acts where you actually seek out the scriptures for yourself is what the pastor's saying 
in line with the Bible and also understanding there's plenty of secondary things that we can debate about without having to divide about. And that doesn't mean it has to be a deal breaker that you leave the church over. And uh, and so obviously if they're saying that, you know, Christ wasn't a a virgin birth, didn't rise again. Yeah. Run away. (laughs) But there's, there's grace to be had in these situations. I think, What, what would you say? No, I say totally. Uh, I think a perfect example, I mean, the church we go to now, the pastor and me, I mean, we talk about this a lot. There's lots of things that like, there'll be a Sunday morning that I'll be, that that in my, like I'm listening and I'm going, I would have done something different. I would have done something different. But it's one of those things where I'm not leaving just because I would have done something different. I think there's people that maybe, um, maybe watch those sermon reviews or maybe even you know, they do it because, you know, we talked about before we started recording, like the ones that are of the bigger pastors that, you know, everybody's like, oh, those are heretics. Those are the ones that get the most views. Yeah. Um, I think there's this idea that you can't like there's this perception that I can't sit in this church if I disagree with this, you know, this weird way that he preaches or this secondary issue. Like, I'll just say flat out, there's things at my church that my pastor, the way he does some things as far as preaching wise, I would never do. But I'm not leaving there. I yeah. mean, actually, it gives me a great disc. There's times where we've talked where I'm like, why did you do it that way? Like, why why was this there? Mm-hmm. And I've learned a ton from yeah. doing that um, just in my preaching style. And the nice thing is that goes back to the iron sharpening iron. It's not a matter of I'm sitting there and I'm going, well, we didn't do that right. So I'm leaving or use <laughs> right. too many stories. There's lots of times where I'm just like, you know, I wouldn't do it that way. But that doesn't mean that I can't grow here and, and you know, really develop here. Yeah. Um, and I think we, there's that, there's that balance, like you said, where it's a matter of, look, if you agree with everything your pastor says all the time, that's probably just as problematic right? <laughs> because, uh, you're, you're going to be one of those, if he leaves then I'm following him sort of people. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole different road you don't want to go down. Mm-hmm. So no, I think there is that moment there where you should wrestle with some of that stuff. There should be a, you know, like for example, a secondary issue is where you have to dig in and be like, I've never thought about that before. What does the Bible say? Because <laughs> I mean, it, he might have a different opinion on, you know, for example, in times or, yeah. you know, who can do what in ministry and you have to dig in and find that out yourself. And that's not a reason to leave yeah. most of the time. So, right. yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I've, I've grown up with, with the very critical spirit of, of things like this. And I had to kind of repent of that over the years. And I would listen to sermons, you know, in my twenties, when I didn't know much, I hadn't gone to seminary and it's like, I thought I was on this pedestal of knowing everything and I would just break people, break sermons down in my head. I didn't bring it up, but at the same time, I'd walk away from a sermon and be like, eh, you know, he was off on this one thing. And I, but it's also like, what are you getting? Why are you even there then? You know, that's what I had to ask myself. Why am I even listening to this? If I'm not going to take anything from it and apply it to my life. And so it's a, it's a tough road to go down, uh, having that critical spirit. And that's why I kind of caution against it now, because I'm kind of a redemption story from that, where now I have, more grace. And obviously I preached a sermon. So I think the sermon is, is, is so important, but it's also one of the things where it shouldn't divide people. It should always be done in love, you know, truth plus love together, you know, and truth becomes hard if it doesn't have love and love becomes soft if it doesn't have truth. And so we need both, especially in the church as we uh, love. And that goes back to convictions too, is that convictions are Holy Spirit driven, and you might have a Mm. conviction about something that's not someone else's. And I see this a lot, you know, when I post about doing something on Easter or Christmas and I get the comments like, oh, do you know that's a pagan holiday? And it's like, oh, you know, yes, I've researched it. I now have grace to now redeem the holiday for God, you know, in my mind. And if you have a different conviction, go ahead. It's not a salvation issue. It's something that you can do in your own uh, convictions. And, and, but at the same time, 
don't comment about mine because you don't know how I processed or what God has done in my life. So, yeah, well, and I, I like to use the analogy of, of sparring versus boxing in the sense that we're going to spar with one another. That's not, I mean, that's going to happen. Yeah. Um, but I'm not going in to knock you out. I'm just going into like, be like, all right, well challenge that a bit. Yeah. Um, I think there's way too many times we go in for the knockout when we should really just be going in to kind of just spar a little bit and learn for when we actually have to apply this in real life. So, yeah. And have a, you know, I say, I always say, have a seat at the table, the person you're talking to, don't just be some random internet troll or someone that you meet them for the first time and be like, Oh, why do you do this? I don't think you should, mm-hmm. you know, like you have to have relationship if you're going to speak into the life of someone else. So mm-hmm. are you looking to start or grow your online ministry? Are you a pastor who would like to expand your reach with the message God has given you? Sign up for my free five-day training to Ministry Funnels. Go to ministryfunnels.net. I share with you my knowledge from multiple years in online ministry so that you can grow or start your ministry without the confusion of where to start. These are things I wish I knew when I started, and I want to help you grow because when ministries grow and spread the gospel, the kingdom of God advances forward. Go to ministryfunnels.net today and sign up. So what uh, what would you say, speaking of church, what is the biggest problem in the church today, and, and why is it progressive Christianity? <laughs> <laughs> I reworded uh, that question, but <laughs> yeah, you did reword it. Um, so progressive Christianity is a big issue. Um, I think the root of that issue though, comes from, um, probably a little bit of the underlying issue of biblical illiteracy. Now I need to probably qualify that term a bit. I'm not saying that progressive Christians aren't biblically literate because a lot of them know a lot about the Bible. Yeah. Um, I think part of it comes from, um, this totally different view. I mean, I'm talking totally different view on scripture. Yeah. Um, you're coming. So basically just for the listeners in case you've, I mean, I'm sure you've probably come across this before if you've listened to Tim's podcast, but, um, the idea here is that one side is coming from the, the side saying, this is God's word. This is what he gave us. Um, and it should be trusted and it should be taught. And then you have the other side coming from, uh, what's called critical, higher critical thinking, that is basically saying, yeah, we can learn from it, but it's not, it's not God's word. It's not like this perfect thing. Um, and because of that, like, oh, you have such a breakdown. And that's why if you ever get online and try to have a discussion between uh, what I would consider like maybe a progressive Christian versus a, or a conservative Christian versus a progressive Christian, you're, you're talking past each other. You're, you're both talking to a wall because you're not operating from the same, the same, the same base, not even close. Yeah. So and I think what's happening is because people are biblically illiterate, because we have a lot of people within church that don't, they don't know basic doctrine. They don't know uh, a lot of where they can find things in the Bible. They maybe haven't even read through the Bible once themselves. So when they start hearing the progressive Christian kind of talking points, the higher critical thinking of the Bible, um, I'm just, I mean, I'll be honest, it sounds compelling. I, I can see why somebody that maybe doesn't know a lot about the Bible, isn't really rooted in there, would easily go that direction. Yeah. Um, especially with some of the culture things that are happening, it's just easier to accept those things when you're over in the progressive Christian camp. Yeah. Um, so I think that, like you said, progressive Christianity is probably the biggest thing we're facing right now as Christianity, but the root of that is biblical illiteracy and yeah. not being kind of founded in the faith. Um, and the way to combat that, I think, is as again, going back to pastors and Christians and parents, um, 
is to, to make sure that we're giving the congregations or our kids or even our friends and ourselves this, this space and this opportunity to dig into those things, to question those things in a, in, in a, in a biblical space, yeah. right? Um, which the progressive Christians would be like, oh, you're just, you're boxing them in. I don't, yeah, <laughs> fine, whatever. I'm indoctrinating them. So are you. So the, <laughs> the idea is that I'm, I, I want, I want people to question things. Yeah. Um, but I want them to have both sides of the story. And I don't want, um, you know, I, I want them to be like, all right, well, here's the two thoughts. Let's actually talk through this. Yeah. Um, and you're smart. You use a brain, you have discernment. Let's actually put it into practice. Yeah. Um, and then dig into that. So yeah, I would totally agree. Uh, progress right now for us in this time, I'd say progressive Christianity would be probably the most concerning thing for me, but that's because so much stuff flows from that, that, um, it can be pretty damaging. Yeah. And like I said, the root of it is biblical illiteracy. Uh, and I would agree with that because, you know, it's not about, uh, all these other topics that come up among progressive Christianity and which a lot of them are good, like social justice, you know, racial reconciliation, all these things are, are fine. Uh, but at, at the core of that, what I've seen is that, you know, and it's not the fact, like you said, that they don't quote, know the Bible, haven't studied it. It's the fact that the Bible is not the in, inspired word of God infallible in, in, its, in its context. And so, you know, what you have is just this, like, it's, it's a word from God, not the word from God. It's, it's, it's written by man, but not inspired by God. And so we'll just take parts of it that we like and that kind of apply to a day today and, and still call ourselves Christians, but then at the same time, get rid of thousands of years of orthodoxy uh, of what Christians actually believe. And, and, and uh, at the same time, this is not a new, uh, a new thing. We, we label it now progressive Christianity, but this is, this is something that has been going on for decades. And I just reading yes. a Gary Chapman's new book and he went to seminary in 1960s and he was going to a progressive school in the East coast. And uh, he was shocked how they just kind of did the exact same thing. They said, you know, it's just kind of like kind of fairy tales in Genesis, you know, they're mm -hmm. not really, it didn't really happen. And just kind of, and, and then he went to a, a conservative Christianity in tech or a, a seminary in Texas. And it was night and day difference. And same thing with my mm -hmm. dad, he went to seminary probably around the, I think it was the sixties as well. And, you know, he, he left a particular seminary because it was like the same thing. It was just didn't hold to the Bible as the inspired word of God. And so if you don't have that as the, your foundation, if you don't have the Bible as your foundation as a Christian, then what is your foundation in? Is it just, because then you start interpreting God in your own, your, your own uh, experiences, you know, what you've learned or heard, uh, you, you know, it, and you follow Jesus, but at the same time, who is Jesus? How do you know? Because if you yeah. don't hold to the gospels, as, as, as truth, then Jesus is whatever you make him up to be. And that's what Paul warns against the Corinthians. You know, you're preaching a different Jesus. And unfortunately, I, I think a lot of progressive Christians are, their hearts in the right place. They, 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 they think they're following Jesus, but you really have to look at what they're saying. And I'm not saying every progress, progressive is this way, but I think as, as, as a movement in general, what you see is this, this overwhelming, let's focus on current issues, what Jesus is to me how I make him, how I define him. And, and that's such a dangerous road to go down. Yeah. Well, I always find it interesting that, and again, I, I go back and forth with a lot of my progressive friends on this, but it's a matter of, so you're saying the Bible can't be trusted, but you're saying that here, Jesus said that, but how right. do I know you can even <laughs> treat, 
treat what he said as true if I can't trust the Bible in the first yeah. place. Like it's just it's completely confusing. But like you said, I would, I mean, just encourage people if you want some high points on looking back on progressive Christianity, start with Spurgeon's downgrade controversy, go into Meachin's modernist controversy. You there's a whole progressive Christian movement in the 1970s that's going on, and then we have it again now. Honestly, if you look at it, it's just this weird clockwork thing. About every 50 to 60 years, mm. the thing rolls back around, and depending on kind of the cultural feel or the technology available, it goes one or the other ways. And then again, it comes up and then you just got to deal with it all over again. Yeah. So I think now that we have social media, it's even worse because you get the message out to more people, you know, and it's plus, expediated quite a bit. Yeah. Plus 40, 50 years ago, you had more, I would say conservative Christians that would not stand for it. And today it's like, mm-hmm. well, I don't really know what I believe. And so that sounds good. Let's do that. And so uh, yeah. that's goes back to what, what you believe and why you believe it going into the youth, you know, as a youth pastor, this is a great, a segue is what are some realizations over the years for the younger generation, what they need, what they want, how to help them and relate to them on their journey? Because, you know, I think it's harder today for the youth than ever before, because you have these, uh, you know, social media again, you know, it, it, as, as much good as it does, there's, there's damaging things to it. If you just don't know what you believe, you're, you're impressionable as a youth. And so you hear these things and all of a sudden that becomes truth to you. Uh, and so what would you say to uh, either parents or people in ministry that uh, preach to the youth or, or you know, uh, have relationships with them? I think the need versus the one thing is really key there as far as there's lots of times where either students, it's one or the other, either they want to be told, hey, this is the answer, or they will buck totally opposite of what you tell them the answer is. So mm-hmm. it's one of the two. They're, they're, they're either going to they're going to want you to just give them it in black and white, or they're going to, when you do, they'll just go the opposite. Yeah. I think what they need though, and what I try to do, um, and I'm sure it's done totally imperfectly, but is I don't want to tell you what to think. That is the last thing I want to do. I want to give you the tools so you can think for yourself. Yeah. Um, so, cause at the end of the day, I'm not going to be by your side. I mean, what you're going to, you're going to grow up, you're going to move, you're going to do stuff. I don't, I'm not going to be there, but what I want to do is hand you this tool bag that says, this is how you can interact with all of these situations. Cause you can't be texting me, calling me, coming up and knocking on my door, asking me, how do I deal with this life situation? You need tool bag to be able to do that. So um, I think what they want sometimes is just a black and white answer. This is yeah. how you deal with it. You know, what do I do in this relationship? How do I handle this job? How do I, you know, all sorts of stupid, you know, like black and white questions. Everybody, what do I do here? (laughs) Um, And what I want to do, and I think as parents and as ministers that we should do is be like, all right, this is how, here's the tool bag of how to, again, discern or work through these situations to say that, hey, when I come up against this situation of culture that's trying to feed me a certain view of sexuality, how do I interact with that? Now, I could tell you my view, and that's going to get you so far. But what I want you to do is be able to say, this is what the Bible says. This is where I can find it. This is where I can kind of find, you know, what the Bible says about gender and male and female and then work with that lens. Um, You talked about social justice and race, right? I've been doing a whole uh, research and study for videos on that exact topic. And what we need to do is not be like, well, this is how you deal with it. Other than saying, this is what the Bible says. And here are the tools to find that. And here are the tools to interact with that. And I think that's the difference as, as parents and as youth pastors and as ministers, sometimes we want to give them the easy answer because that's easier. I can, yeah. I can tell you in five seconds what to do. It takes a lot longer to teach you how to do that because that's, yeah. that's me walking alongside of you. <laughs> that's me correcting you or, 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 you know, giving you accolades for, you know, how you interact with the situation. 
um, that takes a lot longer. And sometimes we don't have with all the things we're doing, we don't feel like we have time to do that, but that is going to be far more beneficial in the long run to say, you know, uh, they, maybe even you're just living it out. You're, you're living out and they go, why did you do it that way? And you being able to explain, yeah. this is how I process it. This is what I'm doing. And that involves us knowing us having a tool bag of tools to be able to process situations and not just reacting to things because we're so amped to do that, right? Something yeah. happens, we all jump on this cause. Something <laughs> happens over here, now we're jumping on this cause. Like right. that's just not the intelligent way to handle situations. Yeah. You're supposed to be able to walk through and process stuff. So we need to live that out. And as we live that out, give them the tools so they can do that as well. Because if we don't, if we don't do that, <laughs> I'm telling you, uh, five, 10 years, you're going to have people jumping all over the place um, from thing to thing, not even thinking about it, jumping on every bandwagon one after the yeah. other. And it, that just does not end well. So, yeah. And, and as parents too, you know, we, we love it when our kids do something on their own based on, you know, we feel some, some uh, sense of accomplishment when they make a good decision, you know, when they, mm -hmm. when they want to pray or when they, you know, face a bully at school and then they know how to deal with it or, or whatever it is, you know, we feel that sense of accomplishment because they did it on their own instead of like every single time coming to us and asking us. And that's what you're saying is, and, and I, I look in, uh, you know, been in business leadership for many years and it's the same thing with that work. You know, I could micromanage every single person and make them do basically what I want as the manager. But at the same time, I have to equip them. I have to delegate to them and also know that if they mess up, that's okay because that's how they learn. And it also mm -hmm. <laughs> takes the stress off of me from having to control every little thing. And so I love what you're saying of just e equipping the next gen generation to make those decisions because we won't always be there either as parents or as, as pastors or youth pastors in their life for every decision. And so uh, that's a, that's a great word. Awesome. Michael, thank you so much for coming on. That's the end of our time. If you just want to let everyone know where they can connect with you. Uh, the easiest place is going to be Instagram. Uh, it's going to be at Honest Youth Pastor, or you can check out the site, uh, thehonestyouthpastor.com. One of the two places there you're going to find all the stuff you want. So, Love it. Thank you so much for coming on. God bless you, well, your family, thank, and your ministry. Me. Thank you. That's going to do it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you check out the show notes where you can connect with my guest. And as always, if you enjoyed this, please tell somebody. Tell the world that you enjoy the Everyday Discernment podcast. Even telling one person goes a long way. I'm really excited about next week's guest. I'm excited about all my guests on season two, honestly. But next week, I have comedian Michael Jr. on the show. He is an amazing comedian, just a funny guy. And I'm really looking forward to talking with him and sharing that conversation with you. So make sure you check it out next week. And until then, go with God, grow in discernment, and keep your eyes on Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Everyday Discernment Podcast. For more information on Discerning Dad, go to discerning-dad.com. Be sure to follow on all the social media platforms. Just search for Discerning Dad. Please share this podcast with a friend and leave an honest review on whichever platform you listen. Feel free to send any comments, suggestions, questions, or prayer requests at discerningdad at outlook.com. Until next time. Keep fighting the good fight.